0: All right. All right, let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you um, that this is the time that we can just um, spend time in your word, uh, hear from you, God, and just be able to understand what you are doing in our our lives, God, in our world. And Lord, we just thank you that as we get into your word, God, you just reveal yourself in a greater way to us. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys doing good? All right. So we're going to finish off. um, <laughs> the We Believe series, and um, we're gonna go over the, what the Holy Spirit is. I touched on it just quickly, um, and this is something we could talk about for ten weeks and not really even oh dig into the surface of it. I mean, we we this is something that is um so in de- uh, so deep that it takes a, a, a spiritual backhoe to dig it out and. 35 to 40 minutes is not going to even scratch the surface, so just bear with me on that. So, if if I didn't touch on something, please forgive me. So, okay. So, we look at the Holy Spirit, and where do we, where do we go to find the Holy Spirit in the Bible? We go to Acts, right? That's where we we immediately go, well, that's where the Holy Spirit showed up, and that's where he did his work, and that's completely wrong. The Holy Spirit did a, a huge work on that day, if you read Acts, but the Holy Spirit was on the face of the earth. It, it spread him, it was across the face of the earth when there was nothing. So it says the word was with God, and the word was God. So God spoke a word, and what happened, the Holy Spirit is, is like the, the action part of God. So when God was creating the earth, God wasn't sitting there going bippity-boppity-boo. He was he, he sent his Holy Spirit out to go over the face of the earth and create. So the Holy Spirit is not a new concept. It was just brought up in a new way in the New Testament. So I'm going to um, enlighten you on the Holy Spirit and what he did in the Old Testament. And this is just one part of what he was. And so in the Old Testament, you hear the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news. Jesus quotes that in the Gospels after um, to um, confirm that he is the Spirit of the Lord, and the Lord has con- um, commissioned him to do this. But the Spirit of the Lord is a very common phrase used in the Old Testament, and it starts throughout the Old Testament, and it goes into a lot of areas. So I'm just going to quote these scriptures real quick to you. I'm not going to give you references on all of them, but... This is in Judges, and it says the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. So what does that mean? What is, this, what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is what? Wisdom. So without wisdom, he could not judge Israel. So this, is, and, and I'm not going to refer to these stories and, and get in depth with these stories, but the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and, and he judged Israel. And that was Judges 3.10. Judges 3, uh, 6.34, but the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. That sounds weird, doesn't it? He clothed Gideon, like Gideon was just naked without the Holy Spirit. No, he clothed him in what he needed to lead his men into battle. He gave him the wisdom. He gave him the, the um, I would say, the fire that he needed to do that. Judges eleven twenty nine says, The Spirit of the Lord was on Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed on through Gilead, and passed on to the Ammonites. So we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord. So if you look at this, the Spirit of the Lord, um, there's one scripture that talks about Elijah, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he pulled up his robe, and he ran. And he ran faster than um, Ahab did with a horse and chariot. So there's something about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament that isn't really dove into. It's not really spelled out like it is in the New Testament. The revelation of the Holy Spirit had to come in the New Testament with the New Testament because we needed Jesus to, uh, to release that gift to us. I don't think the people in the Old Testament could understand and allow the Holy Spirit to move in them because they didn't have Jesus. They needed the teachings of Jesus. They needed the, the, the person of Jesus to be with them and release that in order for them to function in i 'm not saying they couldn 't function in parts of it, but Jesus released a new revelation of the Holy Spirit, and when he sent the Holy Spirit, it allowed us to f- to live fully in the Holy Spirit. These are moments where the Holy Spirit was living um, or resting on these people or uh, moving in these people to do that judges fourteen sixteen says the spirit of the Lord was upon him judges fourteen nineteen says the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. that sounds a little bit more like the Holy Spirit we know in the New Testament it says he, the it talks about the Holy Spirit being a, a mighty rushing wind, and this one says the Holy Spirit rushed upon him. Judges fifteen fourteen says the Spirit rushed upon him. 1 Samuel ten six then the Holy Spirit will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. So that right there, we're, as we can as we go through the Old Testament, as we as we get farther into the Old Testament, closer to. Jesus coming, we see the Holy Spirit doing different things. It's like he's preparing his people for something. He's preparing the children of Israel. He's preparing his, his nation for the Holy Spirit to come and to rest upon them. What I like about this is Samuel says, the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy. So now we're talking about the Holy Spirit moving and prophecy coming. Before, it was just prophesy. You're a prophet of God, and you prophesy to the nations. But in Sam, Samuel says, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, will rush upon you, and then you will prophesy. So there's, there's something a little bit more, a little, a little more of the Holy Spirit coming into place. 1 Samuel 16, 13. And Samuel took the horn and anointed him amongst his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So it not only just said the Holy Spirit will rush upon you and you will prophesy, then we see later on David is anointed and the Holy Spirit rushed upon him from that day forward. So there's, it, it's just like, if we start to really open this up, it, it starts to make sense of what the Holy Spirit was doing. We start to see a greater portion, a greater portion, a greater portion poured out onto people. Second Samuel 23, says, the Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. So it wasn't just him rushing upon you and you doing a work. It says, now he's speaking through you. So Holy Spirit's not just moving in you for a momentary physical thing or spiritual thing. It says, now he's speaking through you. 1 Kings 18, verses 12. And the Spirit of the Lord will carry you I know not where. And then, and so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. So this is uh, Elijah's, um, you know, assistant. Elijah is going out to, after he's won that huge battle, the prophets of Baal, you know, calls down fire, burns up the altar, burns up the water, burns up everything. Can you imagine this? And these altars weren't like, you know, this is little tiny. We're talking a whole cow on this altar. We're talking probably a 10 foot by 10 foot altar. And the fire comes down, burns up everything, and it literally licks up the water around it. So it's dry. So Elijah sees all this, sees God. Prophets of Baal, they ended up not so well in that, in that, at the end of that. But he gets afraid of something. Jezebel's like, well, I'm going to kill you. If I ran every time a woman told me she was going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, but he, he runs. But then, what, is, what does it say here? It says, the Holy Spirit will carry you. Then he starts, not only is he speaking through you, he's guiding you. So he, he's, he's releasing things for them to have power. He's speaking through them, and then he's guiding them. So we see the acts and in the, in the, in the characteristic of the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament just without really saying, oh, the Holy Spirit's moving. It's funny how the New Testament church wants the Holy Spirit to move And they they focus on New Testament in order for the Holy Spirit to move. But the Holy Spirit's been moving since day one. And we have to look at that. And the Holy Spirit was moving on the face of the earth. He was moving in people. He was guiding people. He was leading people. He was empowering people. And he was speaking through people. We just don't see it because we like to look at the New Testament because it's easy to read. And it's, well, Paul said this, and Peter said this, and John said this. And it's what. What's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is just this, is it was released fully for everyone. If you look here, there was select people that God was using at that time. You know, it's, I, I really believe if God had tried to release the Holy Spirit onto the Old Testament through the prophets, it would have been a mess. He knows better than him. He, does, he knew he needed to send his son for people to be redeemed to, to get it, because what would happen is, is this, is you would have had the prophets of Baal trying to get the Holy Spirit moving on their behalf. You would have had the prophets of God trying to get the Holy Spirit to move on their behalf. And yeah, it would have been ugly. Isaiah eleven twelve or eleven two says this and the spirit of the Lord rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's a lot right there. So wait a minute, all those things that we know about the Holy Spirit when we read in the New Testament are all Old Testament. I love hearing people, well, we're a New Testament church. Yeah, the New Testament has to, be, uh, has to have a foundation of the Old Testament to stand on. Yeah, it's, it's simple, but you know, we, we, don't, we don't believe in this because that's the Old Testament. We're free from the curse of the law. We're redeemed. We live in a new covenant. yes. But Jesus said, I'm not to come to abolish, but i come to fulfill. So when we look at the Old Testament, that has to be our foundation for looking at the Holy Spirit and going, wait a minute, he wasn't just moving in the New Testament, he was moving through the Old Testament. Isaiah 40, 13 says, Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord, or what a man shows him his counsel? So first of all, it, it's showing that we have, the Spirit of the Lord is watching, he's, he's active, People just didn't understand it, didn't know it, because it wasn't talked about. You didn't have Paul, you didn't have the, the apostles going out and talking about the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, being, overfill, and, and being overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And Isaiah 63, 14, says, The Spirit gave them rest. I like that. ezekiel in the valley of dry bones and the hand of the lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the lord and he set me down in the middle of the valley talking about a a vision open vision or a or a dream that the the spirit of of the lord is giving him and then micah we don't talk about micah that often i like like their micah we talk about him often but Micah, we don't really use that scripture. How many of you guys ever make a sermon and, and really go through Micah and talk about Micah? We don't. Micah three 8, But as for me, I am filled with power and the spirit of the, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgressions and to Israel his sin. Does that sound kind of sound like John the Baptist? So we look through the Old Testament. Almost every book of the Old Testament talks about the Spirit of the Lord. He was just waiting. God was saying, I have the perfect time. I have the perfect plan. I have the perfect moment when I'm going to release it and people are going to see it. Not just one person here, one person here. He goes, thousands of people will see the Spirit of the Lord working and moving in my people. So then we get into the New Testament. Matthew 1, verses 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit planted the seed of Jesus in her. It wasn't just some perfect person who floated through life and God just said, "Oh, you've never sinned and you're just going to be you're going to carry my child." No, it wasn't like that. Guess what? Mary was human. And God said, "You know what? No, I'm going to use the Holy Spirit is going to come down and he's going to do what I said he's going to do in the Old Testament." Luke 1, 15 through 17. And this is talking about John the Baptist, for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord has prepared his people. Luke says this is what's going to happen. John the Baptist is going to do this. Luke one forty one says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, Mary shows up at her house. So Mary was kind of put away for a while because, you know, a 16-year-old girl, no husband, pregnant, usually ended up stoned if she lived in the city. So Mary's kind of sent away for a while. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of, of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the first time we hear about the Holy Spirit filling somebody. We, we talk about them coming up, him coming upon, him, like a rushing upon him, but this is the first time where it says filled. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. I think your kids kicked a lot when they were in the womb. He, I can't imagine what that was like. But what happened was is this, is when Mary walked in the room, the Holy Spirit came up, fell upon Elizabeth and it fell upon John the Baptist because they recognized what was in Mary's womb. This, the, the living Christ was in her womb forming to become the baby that was born. And then Jesus says in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Some translations say set the captives free. So Jesus is referring to Isaiah when he says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But what we look at, and we look at Jesus' baptism, what happened? He comes to John the Baptist, who is his cousin. They know each other well. John the Baptist is preaching um, righteousness, and he's preaching turn from your sin, be ready to meet God. He's preaching that salvation is necessary. And so he's preaching, and he's teaching, and he probably looks like a homeless guy because he lives out in the wilderness. And he's baptizing people in the dirtiest river imaginable. We're not, you know, people are like, oh, I want to go get baptized in the Jordan River. Guess what? It is muddy, it is clay, and it is gray and gross. People will think it's just going to be this beautiful river and there's stones flowing through, you can see all the way to the bottom. It's not that way. You look at the Old Testament, and what did Naaman do? He had to come to Elijah, and he said, you know what? Hey, I need to be, um, I need you to heal me and Elijah goes oh by the way go dip 7 times in the Jordan river and what does he say isn't there a cleaner river that i can bathe in like it's gross people say that you have like a weird clayish film when you get out of the jordan river because it's so sl- kind of slimy it's not dirty it's just slimy so jesus comes to john the baptist his his cousin probably they're saying like second cousin third cousin John the Baptist probably know, can sense him coming. Like, if he jumped in the womb and was filled with the Holy Spirit as a child, what is happening when he, when he is there? He's preaching righteousness. He's preaching repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It was a, probably a pretty good turn and burn message. You know, like, you, you, this, you, have, to, you have to repent. And so... He's preaching and he's baptizing people and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are sitting along the banks, you know, just trying to figure out how we can get rid of him. And Jesus walks down and John the Baptist was like, I need to be baptized by you. I need you to baptize me. And Jesus like, no, this is to, to fulfill the prophecy. This is to, to make me fall in line Not make me, this is going to help me fall in line with the plan that God has for me. So John baptizes him. I don't know if they held him under very long or how they baptized. I'm pretty sure it was just full immersion, pull him back up and and go. But he, Jesus takes off his sandals, comes down. Doesn't baptize him in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because I don't know how that worked back then, you know. Um. He baptizes Jesus and he pulls him up. And when he does, what does it say? It says the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and just rests upon Jesus. And it sits upon him and it's filling him. And then the voice from heaven says, This is my son, who I am well pleased with. You know, that right there, I would have been like, I need to change my tunic. I just, you know, I just wet myself a little bit. When you hear the voice of God saying, This is my son. Can you imagine those people that had just gotten baptized, like, I think this is the right thing for me to do. I think I'm going to believe in God. And then the God of heaven opens his mouth and speaks, and they're like, yep, that was the right choice. I did what I was supposed to do. (laughs) But Jesus says, I need to be baptized. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him and empowers him to do his work. It fills him to be... be, Full of what God has asked him to, to be full of, what He's asked us to be full of. So Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, and you want, and I'm not going to get into the New Testament a lot, because this is, we can go for weeks on this, but there's moments in the Old Testament where you see that the, the Spirit of God comes on people. Jesus ministers to them, and then the Spirit of God is working. What's great about Jesus is we really see this is Jesus, he was not just um, allowing the Spirit of God to work, he was allowing the Spirit of God to work and pushing out other spirits. This is one of the, this is, in the Gospels, this is one of the first times you hear about evil spirits being pushed out by the Spirit of God. It talks about Jesus and he lays, you know, the, the man who's thrashing and he's uh, running through the. Running through and wants to drown himself. And he's like, Jesus is basically like, Who are you? And he says, We are legion, for we are many. And, he, and they say, Son of God, have you come to persecute us and come to torment us before our time or before your time? They knew who he was. You, 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 people are like, Oh, the devil, he's just dumb. No, he's not dumb. His demons were not dumb, they are not dumb. They know, and they sensed who he was. And they knew who he was. They could tell by the spirit of the Lord that, uh, that was rested upon him. They're like, this is Jesus. This is the one who's going to make us suffer. This is the one who's going to drive us out. And they're like, at least don't send us where you go. Don't send us where we know we're going to go. That's what they're asking. They're like, don't send us to hell. Don't send us to a place where we can't do anything. So he sends them to Pigs. And they run into the sea like a bunch of lemmings. And they drown themselves. But Jesus was using the Holy Spirit in a whole new way. He was like, okay, by the way, the Holy Spirit is resting upon me, but now I'm going to use my spirit, the spirit of the living God, to push out the spirit of the enemy. And then we look at the day of Pentecost. Pentecost. Acts 2, and I left my Bible in my backpack, so give me just a second here. Luckily, I have a computer here. All right, Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit is what it is titled. On the day of Pentecost was, uh, was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent rushing wind rushing into the house, from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering it excuse me <coughs> was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in new tongues. As he empowered them by the Holy Spirit's langu- by the Holy Spirit to speak in languages that they had never learned. So this is where the Holy Spirit comes into play of not just one person saying, the, the, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me," or the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon me, it is the Spirit of the Lord now saying, "I have prepared a place in you." Think about this. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But there's a responsibility of the bride is to prepare a place for him to live in us. So now Jesus is like, you know who I am. I'm preaching salvation, and repentance, that you must t- repent and believe. So he said, now you've prepared a place for me. Now he's like, now I have something to fill. I have a, a, he talks about jars of clay. You know, it says we must be an open vessel for it to be poured into. So Jesus is like, now that you believe in me, now that you've received salvation, now I have something to pour out my spirit into. It's not just, well, you know, you every now and then he might show up and help you out. But the Holy Spirit came. And filled them because they were willing to receive him. They were willing to allow him to guide their lives and direct their lives and to speak to them. Verse 5 says Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound of the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were answering. Excuse me, and they're answering, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in our native language? So, some people say, and and we read it here, it says they were speaking in other tongues. But what I think also was happening is the people that were hearing were hearing in their own tongue. We we've seen uh, Sarah and I have, have have had people we know that have been speaking and they're speaking in English and the people that are hearing it are hearing it in their own language and we're not talking like you know you know Southern English we're talking like you know foreign countries r- countries Romanian Russian uh, Ukrainian uh, uh, people in Brazil and they're hearing someone speak in English and the Holy Spirit is is allowing them to hear what that person is saying and. I think what's happening is the disciples are speaking in other tongues. They're speaking in other languages, but there's also other people that are uh, the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. And he is allowing them to hear the gospel because they're speaking in this language, they're speaking in this language, and they're all the different languages, but these people are able to hear because the Holy Spirit is working. I don't think it was just the Holy Spirit working in those, those 12 people or those how many people were in the upper room. I think he was, when they went out, the Holy Spirit is, is, is flooding around them. Because it wasn't just this little tiny drop on this people. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit just showed up and, little drop, little drop, you get a little bit, you get a little bit. No, he said he came in like a mighty rushing wind. Guys ever had your screen door open and the wind just kind of grabs it and goes, oh, bam, yeah. So we don't ha- we have, we ever replaced our door every about two years because that happens. Um, you know, the little spring, the little strut that you put on there doesn't do anything. It just gets ripped off because we live in an open area and the wind just comes rushing through. If you have the door, I've had the door in my hand and it rips it right out of my hands and the door goes back completely, breaks the springs and breaks all the stuff and I'm putting new screws in it all the time. But think about this. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just show up and go, la la la, a little bit to you, a little bit to you. No, he says, it, it talks about, it came in like a mighty rushing wind. And I, I can't imagine just like, you know, the curtains pick up just a little bit and oh no, it wasn't like that. I have a feeling that they were nervous and a little bit scared at first. And I believe that when he filled them, it wasn't about just a, a little bit, it was an overflowing. And we look at the Holy Spirit and he doesn't just work in... The Holy Spirit is not going to just work in them. He's going to work in other people around him. When the Holy Spirit is moving, you can't stop what the Holy Spirit does. When you, move, when you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, like the disciples were doing and the people in the upper room, what was happening is it was overflowing, and people were getting healed, they were getting set free, and they were uh, coming to believe that Jesus was Lord. And it wasn't just, well, just, it wasn't just working on the disciples, it was working. It was flowing through the midst of the people that were listening to them. How do you mean? you guys know the, you don't get saved without the Holy Spirit working in you? Yeah. You don't get saved because you just heard something. No, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. So on the day of Pentecost, I can't imagine what it was like. There's three people running to the left. One guy's running to the right. You're like, you got to go back this way. People are getting set free. They're getting healed. You know, it's not just this nice little movement. This is something crazy. No, I'm just saying, it's, it's got to be a little out of control. It's got to be a little what the heck is going on? Because there's probably people standing out in the outskirts going, what are all these thousands of people doing? So, the Holy Spirit is not just working in the apostles and the disciples. He's working in the people that are in the audience, and they're working on things. I, you know, I've been to some different meetings, and it's like someone's speaking, and you can tell the Holy Spirit is inspiring them, and He's working in them. But then you got people over here that are being delivered from something. God is working in them, and He's delivering them from something. They're healing. He's healing them. So if we're seeing those little moments of the Holy Spirit work in services, how much greater was it the day of Pentecost when He was not just... I better not. It wasn't like just a little sip. It was like <laughs> I really want to do it. I just I, uh, uh, John's ready for it. Ah <laughs> oh, man. A sp- <laughs> How about a spritzer, a spray bottle? No. So I really just want to. It wasn't. It wasn't just like a. It wasn't like oh, I just dipped my finger in it a little bit. It was a pouring over, like. It talks about when you pour, it talks about, Aaron, about Aaron's beard, when they poured oil over him. It wasn't just like this little, you know, the little droppers of oil. Drop, drop, drop. No, it was a, it was a horn. It was a, a flask. It was a jar of oil that was poured over him, so it was a drenching. The Holy Spirit isn't looking to just, just give you a little drop on the top of the head. He's looking to cover you. He's looking to saturate who you are. I really still want to grab that water and just throw it at somebody and be like, I better not. But the filling of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 released other things. It wasn't just healings, it wasn't just salvation, it was a lot of other things. So I'm going to touch on this one really quick. And this is 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we know what the, the filling of the Holy Spirit did. We know that it brought power, and we know it brings uh, a, a spiritual confidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and empowering us to do what we need to do. But 1 Corinthians twelve eight it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. For one, for to the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing. By the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same spirit, one who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So what's if you look at these gifts of the Holy Spirit, these were gifts that Jesus was operating in. These weren't just, you know, something that was for us after Jesus. Jesus was operating in these. He had wisdom. He had knowledge. He had faith, gift of healing. So we see that the Holy Spirit is not just um, filling people and empowering people. He's giving them gifts to um, help the body and also to reach the lost. When we, we think about the Holy Spirit, he's not here just for us. We think of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, what happens when, um, when you receive the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit isn't just there to, okay, now I got him, I'm good. Now I don't have to do anything else. No, it, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit is a gift for us to go out and to minister to the lost. It's uh, for us to minister to the body. It's for us to, to go out and preach the good news to the poor. Here's the thing is, the, the disciples, they were hiding I talked about this, I think, last week. When Jesus was being brought before the authorities, they were hiding. Well, I don't know him. I don't know him. You know, we talk about Peter, and he swore that he didn't know him. Here's the thing is, it wasn't like, oh, blankety-blank, I don't know him. He was swearing by something, by heaven and earth, that he didn't know this man. It wasn't like, well, I don't know him, I'm going to say a, a bad word. He was swearing, I don't know him by the God of heaven, I don't know him. So Peter, who is the guy who is sworn by heaven and earth that he doesn't know Jesus, a couple weeks later is being filled with the Holy Spirit and he's out there preaching and thousands of people are coming to know who Jesus is. So the Holy Spirit just doesn't come and fill you and say, oh, it's just so nice to have the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit comes to fill you so you can go out and preach the good news. Think about this. The man who denied Christ vehemently and just, I don't know him, probably said a bunch of stuff that he probably shouldn't have said, said, you know, basically cursed God, is hiding all of the disciples, basically go and hide. But after that day, they're like, I don't care who it is. I don't care if you don't like it. I'm going to preach the good news. I'm going to tell you who Jesus is. I'm going to preach that he is king and he is the only way to the Father. They're willing to die after that. It's weird. They're, they're so afraid of, of being, being associated with Jesus. Here's the thing is, Jesus probably, they say, had about 3,000 people that followed him through the countryside. Not all at the same time, but they're thinking that Jesus had hundreds of people following him all the time because they wanted to see what he was doing because he had become a celebrity. They were, wanted to see Jesus heal people. They wanted to see people raised from the dead. They wanted to see limbs grow. They wanted to see people healed. But as soon as a little persecution came, they're all like, "Yep, oh, I, oh, uh, I hear my wife calling. I got to go catch fish. I got to go bake bread. I got to be a carpenter again." But as, the moment the Holy Spirit shows up in that small little room with a bunch of people that are afraid of what the government will say, who are afraid of what the government might do to them, what they're afraid of, what their lives might look like if they gather together and talk about Jesus, hiding in this little room like a bunch of pansies, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and he pours himself out. And from that moment on, they're like, I will die for this. I will not back down from this. I am willing to give my life for this. He's not just, oh, filling you to complete you. He's filling you to be overflowing into other people's lives. And these gifts, all these are empowered by the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit pours himself out into our lives, it's not something that we put the top back on and go, okay, time to put it away. That's not, if if you think that's how it is, and that's, if you think you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit has come upon you, and that's what you're doing with it, I don't think the Holy Spirit has really come upon you. I don't, by evidence in the scriptures, I don't think that's the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, I'm coming upon you to proclaim good news to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted. To preach the good news. So the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, isn't something, well, I got a little bit, now I got to hoard it, because if if I have it now, I'll just put it in a little bottle, I'll take a little drop when I need it, Jesus, I need a little when I go to work, put a little drop on you. No, He is there to live inside of you, so you are saturated with Him. So when you go into your life, it is not, well, you know, Holy Spirit, can you help me now? No, Holy Spirit is there living inside you. And so the saturation comes that you wring yourself out. You know, you never put on a uh, shirt that may have had a glass of water thrown at you or something like that you know it doesn't it doesn't you can wring it out and there's access, but the shirt is still wet so what Jesus is saying when you put on the Holy Spirit when he comes into you you're going to wring yourself out you're going to be what how did Paul say it I am a oh shoot I can't remember right offhand. I am a offering I am I can't think of it right now. I'm, I can see it in my head. He said, I have to pour, I'm being poured out. Yes. I'm just this really bad, I can't remember where it's at right now, but he said, I, my life is being poured out. And this is close to the end of his life. I am a, a, an offering being poured out. And so Paul's like, you know what, I'm not going to just be soaked with the Holy Spirit and this, he goes, I'm being poured out. I'm being wrung out. What is on me is coming out of me. I am still soaked. Your shirt, when you get wet, when I throw this glass of water at whoever I'm going to throw it at is going to still be wet. You can wring it out but you are still wet and you are still covered by it. My wife is holding under that glass of water. I think I'll just bring I'll bring a super soaker next week. So, um, so, Yeah. So when Paul says, I'm being poured out, he's not saying, well, oh, I have a little bit on me on the corner of my shirt, and you can have what I have, When you can have that drop. He's like, no, when I am being poured out, it is like a, picture, a pitcher of water being poured out onto everybody else. Yes. Paul's life was a sacrifice to, the, to God and to the, through the Holy Spirit. He wasn't there just to, to preach the good news and live a cushy life. Paul was persecuted, and he lived a life that was kind of miserable, if you read about it but it was fulfilling because he knew what the sacrifice that he was supposed to make. You know, shipwrecked, lost at sea, um, you know, on deserted islands, bit by snakes, uh, flogged, um, beaten with sticks, rods, um, imprisoned um, What else? I can't even, you can't, if you had the list of what Paul went through, it's incredible that he was even alive. But the Holy Spirit was poured into him and he was wrung out. Because everywhere he touched, everywhere he went, what happened? The jailer was saved. His family was saved. You look at the people around him were poured into. Timothy was poured into. Mark was poured into. The churches were poured into because Paul was being wrung out. He was being squeezed. And when we're squeezed, what comes out? A glass can only fill a certain amount. And Paul was saying, it's not enough for me to fill it. He's like, just, just pour it out. Because when we leave, when we, when, we, when we go to our grave, do we really want to say that I had so much of the Holy Spirit in me, it was great, and I had so much of it, and I had more than everybody else? No. When I go to my grave, I want to say the Holy Spirit was wrung out of me, and I had what I needed, every last ounce of it was poured out of me before I died. Jesus' blood was poured and shed, poured out of him and shed for us. He gave us a gift of the Holy Spirit so we can pour it out on Other people. So when we are finally with our Savior, when we are in heaven and we see Jesus face to face, when we, the moment we breathe our final breath, in my mind, in this stupid way, I imagine myself laying in bed, closing my eyes, breathing my last, and then waking back up or opening my eyes back up, and there's my Savior. And he says, and his question to will, us will be, did you pour yourself out? Because I poured myself out for you. I gave you my Holy Spirit to pour into you. But did you pour yourself out for me? Yeah. You know, I look at these disciples and I look at what they went through and I look at what, the times that they were in and I'm like, man, they're living in time, crazy times. They were living in crazy times. Yeah. And then I look at today and I'm like, Hmm. I'm like, what's the difference? Amen. That the Holy Spirit was poured out on them so they could to reach the lost and to preach the good news to people. So what's the difference between us today? Amen. The Holy Spirit still poured himself out. Why are we changing things? Why are we so worried about what people will say when we come together and we say, we want the Holy Spirit? to show up. We want the Holy Spirit to move in power. We want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. They were afraid of the government. They were afraid of what the the religious leaders would say and do to them in their day. Not a lot's changed. We're so worried about what other Christians will say about us because we believe that the Holy Spirit can live in us and fill us and be poured out of us. Well, I don't know. That's just, I don't read that in my Bible. I'm like, what Bible are you reading? I mean, look at the look at the disciples. These guys were whipped, beaten, boiled in oil, crucified upside down, um, dipped in tar, dismembered. And why? Because that moment that God showed up in a way that was unbeknownst to them. They had no clue what was going to show up. Jesus just said, wait for me. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. They're like, oh, there's somebody else going to show up and he's going to talk to us. They didn't know. But the moment they, the Holy Spirit showed up, something changed in them. And they're like, I'm willing to sacrifice everything I have. I'm willing to die for this cause. You know, it's it's funny because we're the only religion that's willing to die for our cause. Other religions are willing to kill for their cause. The disciples were willing to let their bodies be burnt and dismembered and torn apart because they loved Jesus and they were willing to die for him. We have the only religion that's willing to die for what we believe in, but we're not willing to kill for what we believe in. I won't even call us a religion. So we look at Jesus and he said, I'm pouring out my spirit on you. What are are we allowing the Holy Spirit to do in us? There's a a spiritual term called shallow as a birdbath. It's not really a spiritual term, but I, I use it a lot. And how is your life? Is it Is it this where we can say, okay, the Holy Spirit is going to pour just this much into me? Or are you saying, I am like a well that has living water inside of me that will never run dry? Rivers of living water. That is the Holy Spirit. Rivers of living water flowing through us, flowing in us, out of us. So when he says, I'm pouring into you a glass can only spill what it can cont- what it contains my wife keeps drinking that water cuz she's like if I can drink it fast enough nobody's going to get wet so that glass can only spill about 3 quarters of what it can contain a bird bath can only be filled to like this and it only can spill what it contains but a a a river of living water that flows through us that we will never be thirsty again. How, how do you contain that? That's what the Holy Spirit did. He showed up like a river of living water flowing through them, empowering them, and it just went everywhere. Church should be a little messy sometimes. If you're afraid of church being messy, just close your eyes and go la, la, la. It'll be okay. You'll get through it. But when the Holy Spirit showed up, it wasn't this nice little, bless you, my child, bless you, my child, bless you, my child, and move on. No, 3,000 people get saved. People are speaking in other tongues. People are hearing the message in every language that is around there. So when the Holy Spirit shows up like a mighty rushing wind, like living water flowing through us and out of us, everybody else around you should get wet. It should be like, I have this one cousin and we used to play basketball together and my uncle would come and play. And my uncle would play with us for like an hour. And he'd just be sweaty and he would bump up at you and he, he would do it just to get you because you were like, that's just gross. Get off me. But you knew if he bumped up against you when you were playing basketball, you were just like, "You, you, you you'd like, get a new shirt. Yes, it was gross. And you'd go wring your shirt out. It was, yeah. But think about this. When you rub shoulders with the people around you, they should be getting the Holy Spirit. They should be getting soaked. Ring yourself out. Let your life be an offering poured out so that the people around you can experience God. You don't have to witness to them every five seconds. You don't have to tell them that the lifestyle they live, they're going to burn in hell because the lifestyle they're living or whatever, they have sin in their life. No, you don't have to tell them that. People will hate you because they know you're a Christian. They will not like you because you have morals and you will not do certain things. We can't invite that person. They don't like to do that. But your life will be a representation of who Jesus is doesn't mean you still can't love them. It doesn't mean you can't be friendly to them and, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you so the river gets them wet. Here's the thing is, your job is to preach the good news. Their job is to receive it. If you're preaching the good news and you're loving them, that's you've done your job. Their job is to be open and receive it to receive the good news so living water can live in them. That the Holy Spirit can rest in them. But your life should affect the people around you in a good way, not in a bad way. But the Holy Spirit should start to saturate them because he's saturating you. If he's filling you, that means there's overflow. So that means when you walk, you hear, squeak, 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 squeak. No, just kidding. Your life is to be poured out. Your life is to be an offering to him. The same way the disciples were. You may not meet the same fate they did. You may not have the same trials that they did. But your job and your calling is the same as them, is to pour out what God has given you so that people may hear the good news and proclaim captives that they can be free and that there is joy instead of mourning that there is grace instead of condemnation that there is peace instead of anger our job is to saturate the people around us the holy spirit lives in us there's two types of, of the holy spirit does two things he guides believers when we are born again we have the holy spirit he can guide us he can he can direct us. He can speak into our lives. But when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, that's when it gets messy. That's when it gets the saturation starts and you're walking around going squish, 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 squish. And that's where the rubbing of shoulders starts to get that saturation. That's where you get poured out. That's where your life becomes an offering to Him. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it says all these are empowered by the same Spirit who gives to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit will give you those gifts as he wills when you need them, as you need them, according to what he is telling you to do and being led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come in and say, oh, well, you know, here's all the gifts and you get to have them all. No, no. There has to be something in our part of, of engaging with him in order for those gifts to, to start to function in our life. You know, it's like as a kid, you know, my, my 14-year-old daughter thinks she's 25 and thinks she knows everything, even though she's very intelligent, but she doesn't, she knows a lot, but there's something with life experience that comes in. She's very intelligent. Sometimes she's so intelligent, my wife and I go, did she just trick us? Um, <laughs> and, yeah, where's all my money? Um. And then she's like, hey, Dad, I need some more. You owe me $15. For what? I'm like, she's like, oh, I did this. I'm like, didn't I pay you to go do that anyway? You know, and so anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, but there's experience that comes with the Holy Spirit. And when you're open to him, when you're open to what he's going to do, when you allow him to work in your life, it will change you. And it will change the other people around you. But it's not something that we just get it all. We know it all. Oh, I know exactly what the Holy Spirit's doing. I've got all these gifts; they all function, and right now in me, everyone's perfectly. No, it is a growing process. It is a learning process. So when the Holy Spirit is working in you in you for a certain situation, whether you're at a truck stop and you're talking to somebody who needs wisdom, or you're working with a, a client that needs a lot of something, or you're working with someone who just meet in the store. The Holy Spirit will give you those gifts as he wills so that, w- that way when you are speaking to them, when you are ministering to them, whether it's a word of knowledge or it's a word of faith, whether it's healing, whatever it is, he will give those to you so that when you are working with that person, when you're talking with that person, that he will give you what you need at that moment. Yes. Hmm, that sounds just like, the God, um, it sounds like God, give us this day our daily bread. Well, give us this day the things we need from the Holy Spirit so we can minister to the people who are around us so that when we go out to our works and we go out to our our neighbors and our friends and wherever we are to the store, you ever want to minister to somebody? Just hang out at Walmart for an hour. (laughs) Talk to my wife about that. She'll never get out of Walmart. But he gives you those when you need them. You don't just function in them all perfectly the moment. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. He says, oh, you're like, Oh, this person's dealing with this. I really, God, I just really need your wisdom on this. Holy Spirit's like, oh, activate, boom. Uh, Here's what you need for that moment at that time. Let's pray.